Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and you would, <clears throat> find two places with me. 1 Samuel chapter 25, as we are continuing to go verse by verse through this book. And Matthew chapter 2. And the last three weeks, we have been looking at how David and his men went to a man by the name of Nabal, who they had protected and defended his men when they were just shepherds in the wilderness, protected them from bandits, protected them from being murdered. And David sends some messengers to him and asks for just a little bit of goods uh, that they might worship, that they might uh, just have what they need because David and his men were still on the run. They were still running from Saul, and Saul was trying to take his life. And we looked at how Nabal said that, I don't know David. Uh, David is just some slave. He's just some rebel. And we looked at how many people are too busy for the king. And then last week, we looked at how his wife, Abigail, who went to David without Nabal's uh, knowledge, and begged David for mercy, and David showed mercy. And we looked at how God will extend mercy to you and I if we will come to Him in forgiveness. But today I want to finish tying these stories together because in 1 Samuel 25, um, Nabal um, ends up receiving his reward or punishment from God. And in the Christmas story, the Christmas story is one of hope. For us who are believers, we know that Jesus Christ was born into this world, even though He had always existed. Even though He is the one the Bible says everything was created through and created by and created for. He took on flesh so that He could live the perfect life die in our place on the cross, and to be risen from the dead. And so for us, Christmas is the fact that there is hope born into the world. But this morning I want you to know that Christmas is only full of hope for those of us who believe. There will be some people who will be like Nabal at the beginning of this story and will be too busy for the king. But I also want to show you this morning that there are people who are not just too busy for the king and who don't accept the king, but outright hate the king. You see, this morning you might be here for a multitude of different reasons. One, you might be here because it's Christmas and it's so close and you're here to worship. Some of might be here today because your spouse wanted you to be here. Simeons might be here because your parents wanted you to be here. Simeons might be here because you felt like you had to be here. But this morning I want you to know something. That unless you come to Jesus willingly, unless you come for, to Him because of a love that He has given you, friends, Christmas is hopeless for you. But I want you to know this morning that it doesn't have to be. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about how God will make a way even when there seems to be no way. And so if you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's Word, in 1 Samuel chapter 25, we're in verse 36. 
David has extended mercy to Abigail and to Nabal. And listen to what it says in verse 36. Now Abigail went to Nabal, and there he was, holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a, and I want you to underline or write that word down, king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. Therefore she told him nothing, little or much, until morning light. So it was in the morning, when the wine had gone to Nabal, and his wife had told him these things. Now don't miss this. She told him that the future king had extended mercy to them. Should have been something that brought him great joy. Great rejoicing. But don't miss this. That his heart died within him. And he became like a stone. Then it happened after about ten days that the Lord struck Nabal and he died. So when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord who has pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and has kept his servant from evil. For the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal on his own head. And David sent and proposed to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David had come to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her saying, David sent us to you to ask you to become his wife. Then she arose, bowed her face to the earth and said, Here is your maidservant, a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. So Abigail rose in haste and rode on a donkey, attended by five of her maidens, and she followed the messengers of David and became his wife. And don't miss, even David goes and makes a mistake here. David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, and so both of them were his wives. But Saul had given Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to Paltai, the son of Laish, who was from Galim. So pray with me. Father, today I come to you asking, Lord, for what I do not have. Lord, I pray that you would speak this morning, that your spirit would convict. Lord, you know the hearts that are stone cold this morning, Lord, just like Nabal's. And Lord, today you can draw them to yourself. Or Lord, you can convict them to a place where they were hardened their heart and hardened their heart. And so, Father, I pray today, Lord, that your spirit would be at work. I pray, Lord, that you give me clarity and wisdom that I do not have on my own. And Lord, I ask that you give me unction from on high to preach your word boldly and faithfully and to glorify Jesus in all that is said and done. And I ask it in his name. Amen. And so, if you would flip over to Matthew chapter 2, and you said, Jake, there's no way that this could have anything to do with Christmas. This man hated David. He hated the fact that David had asked something of him. And what do you think he is celebrating in this passage of Scripture? He is celebrating the fact that he is wealthy. He is celebrating the fact that nobody can bother him. He is celebrating like a... What was the word I asked you to write down? King. Why? Because he needed no one. He needed nothing. And it was clear that he hated David, even though David had been good to him. And I want to show you this morning how this translates to you and I rejecting Jesus and having no hope. In Matthew chapter 2, one of the most familiar uh, passages about the Christmas story 
And we're going to just jump right in. And we're going to jump back and forth today. In verse 1 it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Don't miss this. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Just like Abigail came to Nabal with good news. She comes and says, Even though you are a stubborn jerk, even though the Bible says that he was a stubborn man, that he was a difficult man, that he was impossible to deal with, impossible to talk to, she says, I went to David on your behalf. And begged for mercy. You didn't have to beg for mercy. You didn't have to fall on your feet and gravel. You didn't have to do all this. I did it for you and us. For our family. For all of the males born into our family. Because David said if she didn't come, he was going to kill all of them. He should have took that as a merciful opportunity of good news. But yet he thought of himself like a king. Hard-hearted, and the Bible says his heart became like stone. I believe that that's exactly what God did. I believe it was physical. I believe it was spiritual. I believe it encompassed everything. And just like that, Herod receives good news from the wise men. That the king of kings has been born. The hope of Israel has been born. And you all know this story and how it goes. When... Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now don't miss verse 3. Because Herod has a choice to make. Herod can rejoice that there is hope and mercy. But listen to what it says. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. And we're just going to read the whole story because I know you know it, but some of you might not. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, who had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. Don't miss that statement. Underline it in your Bible or write that down. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search. Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I'm going to stop right there. I want you to hear this because this morning, each and every one of you is here for a different reason. You might be here saying, I don't need Jesus. You might be here saying, I'm not going to do anything with Jesus. But I want you to look around. There are people who you know, 
and who I know who were raised in church on Christmas. And some of them have a love for Jesus today that you and I are inspired by. But I can tell you there are many people who sit through the same Christmas sermons, who sat through the same Easter sermons, who want nothing to do with God. They don't have a hatred to God, but they have no use for God. But there are also people who were raised in the same Christmas service, the same Easter sermon, who listen to the same sermons, who have a hatred for the things of God. You see them on the internet making fun of Christians. And I'm not talking about the liberals in Washington. I'm talking about people I went to high school with. I'm talking about people that I used to be in youth group with. I'm talking about people that you probably had in your Sunday school class. They have a hatred for God. A hatred for the things of God. And this morning I want you to hear this because Christmas can be everything to you. It can be a time of year that causes you to love God and to be joyful and to celebrate. Or it can be something that you do nothing with, that it's just another holiday. It's just another day to spend money. It's just another day to eat and get fat. Or it can be something that you hate and it drives you to such hatred that you don't want a nativity on the courthouse square. That you don't want a Christmas presentation at a school program. It leads you to start something like the American Civil Liberties Union that sues and fights against. Or start Facebook pages that mock the churches and Christians of the community. You say, Jake, you're meddling. No, I'm not. I'm telling you today that you either have hope or you don't. You're either like Abigail who has found mercy at the hand of the king or you're like Nabal who has hardened his heart. You're really like the wise men who have heard the good news and rejoiced and worshipped. Or you are like Herod and you have the hatred for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, this morning the choice is yours. The response is yours. And so the Christmas story is what we are focusing on. But don't miss the fact that as we're going through 1 Samuel, it is the same thing. A king who thinks he doesn't need Someone, a person who needs mercy and finds it. And we see this here in this story. But I want you to see in verse 12 how God makes a way even when it doesn't seem possible. This baby and his young mother and Joseph, they have no earthly prestige. They have no armies to fight for them. They have no modern times of technology to find out what Herod is doing. They are totally independent upon God. And listen to what happens in verse 12. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. I want you to know that I believe there's two kinds of wisdom. There is wisdoms like the wise men got, where God divinely warned them not to go. And there is wisdom like Abigail had. Did you notice when Abigail got home that Nabal was what? He was drunk. He was merry. He was pleasant. And she had the wisdom to know it's never a good idea to have a serious conversation with someone who is drunk, who is on drugs, or has made an epic failure or an epic victory. 
I can tell you I have been called to many homes when someone is sloshed down drunk. And oh, they love me so much. And oh, they love the Bible so much. And oh, everything is going to be fine as soon as this is okay. You know what happens the next morning when all that influence is gone? I can't believe you came to my house when I was like that. I didn't tell you that. And friends, this morning I want you to know something. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is something that is supernatural. It is something only God can do. Today, if you're here and you are under conviction, it is because Him and Him alone. But there's also a practical side where it means inviting the people you love to hear the gospel. It means telling people you love the gospel. It means living out your faith in a practical way. And so what we see here is that God is at work and two people are headed to two different destinations. And I want to go on in the Christmas story because I want to continue to show what can happen when you either accept or harden your heart to the good news of Jesus. Starting in Matthew 2 verse 13. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And there was he until the death of Herod. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. You see, what was the fate of Nabal? It's a simple response. He what? He died. And Herod did what? Die. And friends, I want you to hear this this morning. If you harden your heart to the things of God, if you harden your heart to the message that God loves you, that God died for you, that God sent His only begotten Son into this world, friends, you are going to die. There is no other way around it. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once. And then the judgment. And so this morning, the message is this. God will be at work. God will be at work in your life spiritually. God can be at work in your life emotionally. God can do and work in special ways. Because why? He saves the child. He saves Mary. He saves Joseph. He saves Abigail. He saves Abigail's offspring. He saves Abigail's family. Why? Because God is willing to extend mercy today if you'll take it. God is willing to extend mercy to you today if you take it. You say, Jake, I don't have to do anything with Jesus. I'm young. I've got my whole life to live. You say, Jake, I'm successful in my business. I've got a wonderful family. I don't need Jesus. I don't need the things of God. I don't need a relationship with Him. Christmas isn't what I, I'm worried about right now. And friends, I want you to know that if you harden your heart today, I believe God can convict you again. I believe God can convict you again. But I also believe the Bible says that if you harden your heart long enough, that God will harden it as well. And it will harden and harden and harden. 
And so this morning today, I want to show you that just like Abigail chose mercy, just like the wise man chose to worship, just like Joseph and Mary chose to listen, we see how God's mercy is extended. But look at Matthew chapter 2 with me as we continue through this story. Because what happens is you are troubled by the things of God. Then you begin to hate the things of God. And then you begin to what? Listen to what it says here in Matthew chapter 2. And I want you to remember, I ask you to remember that he said exactly when the star appeared. And this is why. In verse 16, then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all, not some of, not the ones that he could find, all the male children who were in Bethlehem in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then he fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. He wanted to know when the star appeared because he wanted to know when he should start finding children in that age. And he murdered all of them. You say, Jake, Wait a second, you're telling me that if I reject Jesus, if I have a hatred for Jesus, if I have a hatred for the things of God, that's where I'm going to end up. I'm not going to say you're going to slaughter a whole town full of children. But what I am going to tell you this, the Bible says to hate in your heart is murder. And friends, what starts with a coldness to God leads to an anger to God, leads to a hatred for God. And one day you wake up and you don't care about the things of God. You don't care about the people of God. And Christmas means nothing to you, but it doesn't have to. You see, you have a choice to make just like Herod had a choice to make, just like Joseph had a choice to make, just like Abigail had a choice to make, just like Nabal had a choice to make, just like David had a choice to make to extend mercy, just like God was involved and took care of all of it. And so you said, Jake, this is the worst, most depressing Christmas message I've ever heard. No, it is one of hope and warning. And today, that's what I want you to hear. Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. It is something that is special. It is something that stirs in our hearts and our lives because of the hope that it has. But it's only for those of us who believe. And so I want to go on in this story. Verses 19 through 23 in the book of Matthew. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judah instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. You see, when God removed the threat, God then began to pour out the blessing. 
And just like after God removed the threat of Nabal, he brought blessings to Abigail. You see, this morning, so many times as believers, as we're living out our faith, and honestly, when we look around, it seems like everything that we love is being infected and destroyed by sin. You look at our nation. You look at our communities. You look at things that you never thought would be tolerated or embraced or accepted. And it's just overrunning. Sin is overrunning everything. And it honestly seems like it's just hopeless. But friends, you need to know that God will remove obstacles. God can remove people. God can remove whatever is in the way of you being who God wants you to be. You say, Jake, that's a terrible story. Nabal, God took him home. Well, I don't know which home you think God took him to, but it wasn't the one probably that you want to go to. And you say, Jake, that's not a, a message of hope and love and mercy and forgiveness like Christmas involves. Christmas is a gift that must be received. Please don't miss that this morning. As Baptists, we believe and we claim that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. We believe that the Bible says and quotes Jesus that He is the way, the truth, and the life. But today, Simeons are upset with me that I am telling you that Christmas isn't all about hope. Because it is hope that is offered. But it is hope that must be received. And this morning there will be people all over America. That will show up. Because today is as close to Christmas. As a Sunday they can get. Without being an inconvenience. Because next Sunday is the day after Christmas. And the sermon title is literally the day after Christmas feeling. And that will be too close. And you think Jesus matters this year. You wait till next year when Christmas is on a Sunday. I've already heard people say, are we going to have church next Sunday? Next year? Yes! We will! Well, can you believe we have to clap about having church on Sunday on Christmas? But I'm telling you this. Because there will be people that will be in churches today because it's what you do at Christmas. And friends, unless they repent, unless they call upon the name of the Lord, everything that's sung about, everything that's preached about, everything that's decorated about, it will mean nothing in the end. And so this morning, I want you to hear that Jesus loves you. That Jesus willingly came and was born into that manger. Jesus willingly allowed himself to live a simple, humble life. Jesus willingly allowed them to spit upon him and to beat him and to pull out his beard and to put a crown of thorns upon his head. He willingly allowed them to mock him and falsely accuse him. He willingly allowed them to lead him to the cross. And he willingly hung upon that cross. Even though he could have called down the angels of heaven. To remove him. And I want you to know that he didn't need the angels to get off that cross. 
He could have got off himself. But he willingly stayed there. He willingly allowed his life to be taken. To be given. He willingly went to that grave. <laughs> because he knew. That Sunday was coming. And friends for us. That is everything. But this morning if you're here. And you're saying Jake I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I made a profession of faith when I was a kid or I was baptized, but I have no relationship with God today. Friends, don't be like Herod. Don't be like Nabal. Don't take the message of hope. Don't take the message of mercy. Don't take the message of forgiveness. Don't take the message that can be everything to you and reject it. Because the Bible says that for those who die apart from Jesus Christ, you will hear the most terrible words that will ever be spoken. Depart from me, for I never knew you. You say, Jake, what is your goal for preaching this morning? Two things. One Christian that you will celebrate what you have been given and received from Jesus. And two, if you're here today and you are just slowly starting to drift, if you are today and you hate God, if you are here today and you don't care about God, that the Holy Spirit would use this warning and would begin to convict you. And today you would repent of your sins and come to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. You say, Jake, salvation is for Easter. No, salvation was born on Christmas into the world. And friends, today is the day that God wants to save you. Today is the day that God wants to restore the joy of that salvation. Don't harden your heart today, but willingly come and find forgiveness and mercy in Jesus. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads with me this morning. And with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you don't have to raise your hand, please don't feel like you have to. It's just my request to you. If you're here today and you're thankful that Jesus offered his gift of salvation. His life, his death, and his resurrection to you and I and you're thankful that you've received it would you just slip up your hand I'm not even going to look around I don't want to look around but I pray that you'll put your hand up today if you're here and you know that you're saved if you're here today and you do not have your hand raised I'm not looking because I'm not going to embarrass you I'm not going to coerce you but I want you just to open one eye and look at the hands all around this place that are hopefully still up and know that there are people who have hope that you don't. There are people who have a future in Jesus that you don't. But today that can all change. Today you can come and have a relationship with Him. Not because I said so. Not because I want you to. But because God wants to save you. Christian today, maybe you're like me and you've just kind of sometimes can grow cold. Sometimes you can just get in the motion of things. 
Sometimes you just get so busy that worship and celebrating is, is not there. And this Christmas season, you've been so busy buying stuff and, and planning stuff and cooking stuff that you wake up a week before Christmas and you say, boy, I just I don't have very much joy. <laughs> I've just not done very much celebrating. Would you find an altar this morning? Say, Lord, just help me focus on you. Lord, just help me focus on you. Maybe it's just to come and say, Lord, thank you for being merciful to me and showing me grace. And I'm going to hope that you two groups of people will come today so that that person here today who doesn't have hope, who doesn't yet know Jesus, will see that your life can be changed. And today they can leave different than how they got here. And so if you would stand with me, every head bowed, every eye, eye closed, we're going to pray. And then I'm going to ask Christians that you'd come. Lead by example to that person who might be watching today, who might be under conviction today of their need to be saved. Father, today I come thanking you for your word. Lord, just trusting that you have given the sermons that you wanted, just like next week you will again. And so, Father, I pray today, whether it's in the Old Testament with Nabal, the New Testament with Herod, the Old Testament with Abigail, the New Testament with the wise men, Lord, that each and every person in this place today, Lord, knows that they have to respond to you with either yes or no. And so, Father, I pray right now for the saved man, woman, boy, or girl that their relationship with you would become most important. That you would be the one that they are worshiping, celebrating, and honoring this season, Lord, and every day throughout the year. But, Father, I especially pray for that person here today Lord, who maybe made a profession of faith, but has grown cold to you, God. Maybe that person who's been baptized, but today says they have no need of you. Lord, that person that's here today that says, I'm too good, I don't need Jesus. Or Lord, that person that's here today that says, I am so bad that God couldn't save me. Father, thank you for conviction. Lord, thank you for giving us the opportunity to repent of our sins and turn to you and you alone. And so, Father, whatever sin, whatever situation is in the life of this church today, Lord, I pray that you take care of it for your glory and your glory alone. Lord, maybe it's family brokenness this time of year that people want to come and lift up their families to you. Whatever it is, Lord, today, let us do business with you. And Father, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you. Pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.